Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Just press play podcast. We got Pops and LJ back with us again. What up? What up? What is going on, Dad? I don't. We. I. I don't know for if everyone knows, but you work in the um, in the oil industry, and are you now? Are y'all? Can Can I get paid to drive a car now, just to fill up my car and just drive <laughs> it around? Because I did see that oil prices I think dropped to negative thirty seven dollars or something <laughs> <laughs> as of Monday afternoon. <laughs> Well, I will Should tell I you a barrel for 37 bucks. bucks to fill I'll up. keep it on my yeah, back little patio. <laughs> well, that night. 90- How does that work? Can you just explain to me like I'm a fifth grader? Am I getting paid to, to, to hold your gas now? No. Okay. What what you're seeing, and I didn't see a negative $37. That seems crazy. But I can on say. On Monday, what, the future for U.S. crew delivered in May wrapping up at a negative $37.63 okay. per barrel. Well, the, <laughs> per barrel. The, the pertinent part is the future. So you're you're talking about futures. You're not talking about physical product. And what happens is people trade uh, crude oil gallons futures. So like I say, I'll take delivery of a thousand barrels on May the first at fifty bucks or whatever, right? Well, now let's say it's getting to be April the thirtieth, and now I got to figure out where I'm going to put that thousand barrels, and my storage is full. I could pay you to take that off my hands because I got nowhere to yeah. put it. So I yeah, because in practical terms, this means that anybody who is supposed to receive a shipment of American crude oil but doesn't want it would have to pay someone to take it. Right? I guess that makes sense because but, but, ain't nobody yeah. driving. Nobody's driving, and I'll tell you right now in the oil industry, especially storage is at a premium because everybody's wanting to store fuel and hold for the future. I believe that term is contango. Contango is when succeeding months are higher in value than current months. So a gallon of gas that's worth, or, or a barrel of crude oil that's worth negative 37 today, which is not really what it's worth, right? But it might be, say it's worth $10 today, it's worth 25 in June or 35 in August. So if I can store that barrel for less than the, the increase in price, then it encourages me to store that barrel and hold it till June when I can get more out of it. Does that yeah. Kind of makes sense yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. That does make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Most people don't take delivery of those futures, but some do. And what you're seeing is some of those refineries that now it's getting down to the nut cut and then they got to take delivery of that those orders. They're like, I got nowhere to put it. And they're having to figure out something to do with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know a lot of people probably thought, man, Sunday night, there was this, the, the Michael Jordan documentary finally got dropped. And I bet on Just Press Play podcast, they're going to start off with talking about crude oil. So I just wanted <laughs> yeah. to keep everyone on their they toes. <laughs> um, but speaking of that MJ doc, uh, it's clear by watching that, that the perfect hire or the wrong hire can have a big impact on your business, which I don't know, it's debate, embrace debate. We might get into this in a second, if Jerry Cross was a good hire or bad hire, but they kind of make it all out to be spoiler alert that uh, he ran everyone out of town. At least he did with Phil Jackson, which was the start of running the rest of the crew out. And so I, the perfect hire can impact your business. And let's talk about a place that will help you if you're looking for the perfect hire Where is that? for your business. That is over our friends over at LinkedIn. So oh, when you yeah. need to find that next person to help you grow your business, LinkedIn jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. 
LinkedIn jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person quickly. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of quality, qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire. People with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. Jeez. Eight seconds. God, that's, that's fast. That's fast. That's fast. You're not going to run why, about eight feet in that time. I mean, it's it, it's it, that's more time than a quarterback gets in the pocket by far. I mean, yeah. That's way more that's time. That's double. That's double. That's about the time and I run a 40-yard dash in. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's no wonder why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring pl- platform for delivering quality hires fast. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that is linkedin.com slash team, T-E-A-M, to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, so... The first two episodes dropped on Sunday night pops. By the way, the ratings for it, ESPN says that the ratings for the the, the two episode premiere was an average of six point one million uh, viewers. Which LJ did a little research. That is more than the Royal Wedding was. Is that more correct? More than Del? the Royal Wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, the Royal for a Wedding documentary. Was watched by six hundred uh, six million people. Um, an entire nation shut down to watch it. And it was six million people watching it, and uh, yeah, this beat that. So wow. So. Quite a few people were watching. That's why ESPN moved it up. That's why people were begging for it. And I'll just go ahead. We mentioned off the top, they really don't paint. And it, it's kind of, I, I felt a little conflicted. They they don't paint Jerry Krause in a very good uh, good illustration. And he's the one guy that cannot defend himself in this documentary because Jerry Krause is no longer with us. Um, was he a bad GM? Dad? Was he terrible? Was he okay? I mean, I will tell you that at the time, thoughts watching that since you lived the time. At the time, I thought Kraus was kind of an idiot, and I didn't care for him much. And you can certainly see how the players treated him with disdain. I mean, they were really being ridiculously sometimes. I thought crude. uh, I mean, uh, he has the nickname LJ. Jerry Krause has the nickname Crumbs because he often, when eating, would spill crumbs on himself. So the players would openly call him Crumbs. They would make fun of him for being short. At one point, they literally like it's like the champ. It's the the ring ceremony right before Michael Jordan's going up to him and is like, "Those your dick pills or your diet pills? Which ones are those?" Like they're <laughs> openly just talking very vulgar to these people to this guy who's the GM, and they do it on the bus on the team bus in front of everyone. At one point, Phil Jackson said he had to go to Scottie Pippen and be like, "Hey, dude, chill. Like you gotta you well, gotta chill. This say, is getting ridiculous." I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know, but I will say that that. To, it could possibly be like in good humor, right? Like that sounds. Yeah, it it wasn't. It does, it, it's, I'm pretty sure it's not. It's not like budge ribbing on each other. It's it's no. like hateful. No, it's like being a bully. It, okay, they are they are being. And this guy, it was it was so odd. So they're coming off they're they're coming off a second championship. Well, a fifth championship, but a second in a row. Right, they're going for the third repeat or third three second three peat. Gosh, I can't get my numbers right. It's six uh, one way or another. Yeah, and. <laughs> Krause has decided that they're not bringing Phil Jackson back. They have to beg Phil Jackson to come back. Yeah. And the best player in the world, the best player to maybe ever play any sport ever is openly said, if Phil Jackson's not back, I'm not back. And Krause is still saying, yeah, I don't want Phil Jackson. Don't want him. Don't want him. I'll go get this Tim Floyd guy. And it's just, I don't understand how you, I mean, it's a money. I I, I think it's funny. Reinsdorf is in here a lot and, it's hard for – how does he not at some point go, hey, dude, we're printing. This is just a money – they're money printing. I mean, this, this Chicago Bulls team, we got to keep this together as long as possible. How it was even a thought that they were going to let them all split? And that so that's why it's called the last dance, LJ. That's what they set up was pretty much they went to Phil Jackson and said, here's a one-year $6 million contract or $5 million contract, whatever it was. Something like that, yeah. And they said, this will be the last year. Win it, cool, lose it, whatever. This will be the last year. And so he said, all right, this is the – and so he told the players, this is the last dance. So, I don't know. There's some logic, though, if you're if you're a business manager, right? Like, what is a general manager's job? And it's like to appease the owner and the, the coach at the same time. And if you're a business manager, then like cutting costs while you're on top can make some sense, because while you're on top of Mount Everest, you're still going to have to go downhill on the way home, you know, so you might as well not pay a Phil Jackson rate. I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. So 
it's just wild. And at, at, at the moment, Pops, do you remember thinking? So you were saying you remember thinking, what the hell are they doing? Are they really going to break up this team? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I remember thinking that. And then, you know, they, they get into where Scottie Pippen was upset with his contract and, and to some degree, rightfully so, but he signed the contract and they were very strict in that. If you sign a contract at Chicago, Reinsdorf said, yeah, don't so, come talk to me, you know? Um, LJ, I was reading. Cause Pippen signed like a, what it was it a six year, $17 million contract. And then it was like the next year after he signed it, the NBA blew up. They got a new TV deal, whatever. Salaries went, you know, crazy, kind of like they did, what, two, three years ago. And Pippen was getting like the 122nd best, most high-paid player in the league. And he probably was the second best player in the league. But, I mean, and so Scottie Pippen was completely pissed off at the whole situation. And I think he egged it on. And Krause was – he was kind of a little portly fella. You know, he wasn't very big, and he was, you know, kind of chunky. And I think when he very ate, big. he did get a lot of crumbs uh, on him. You know, he just – he was easy to pick on. And he and, – and I tell you what, I do need to say this before I quit. He put together a hell of a good team. I mean, he did yeah, so put together – they do put out there that he had the, the foresight to trade Charles Oakley, who was Michael Jordan's best friend really yep. on the team. And traded him for Cartwright, who at the time was what they needed. And then had the he saw Scottie Pippen and wanted this young guy out of Central Arkansas. Well, I was about to say Scottie just, Pippen was like some nobody out of a D two school, right? Like he wasn't so like that guy, was he? Yeah. Well, he, especially he, look at the times there was you weren't watching, you didn't see much Scottie Pippen. I would imagine, Dad, mate, you'd have better knowledge of this when they when all of a sudden the name Scottie Pippen was getting thrown around as possibly a top five pick or a lottery pick. People were like who from UCA. Well, I could be weird because I'm from Arkansas. So we certainly knew about Scottie Pippen. And, you know, the deal is he grew, I think, from his freshman to sophomore year, he grew like six inches over the summer. Well, but that's the thing is, like, wouldn't he, like, if I remember correctly, like, so usually it's like, oh, you have a 16-year-old that's going to make the NBA. And that makes up most of who we know as the NBA these days, right, is people we knew would be in there when they were 16 years old. And uh, Scotty Pippen was like a water boy his freshman year, right? Like he, was he was an equipment manager. manager. Yeah, he was an he equipment manager. He wasn't even manager. a baller. Yep, he wasn't. Um, for UCA, this isn't Duke. Yeah, for this UCA. Is... <laughs> Which, mad props. UCA is a great school if you want to get drunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure so, it has other good points too, L, but that's... <laughs> yeah, I thought the, the, the show so far was really good. I, I'll tell you what makes the documentary so good to me, Pops, is at one point, and we all know how it ends. We all know that they're going to get it. They, they, Michael yeah. Jordan and the boys no got alert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we know how that goes. But still, at the end of the second episode, I'm wondering, are they going to trade Scottie Pippen? Like, I'm <laughs> partly on the edge of my seat going, could they really trade Scottie? Written by George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a well-done documentary. I, I want to throw out – so. Moment or quotes from the documentary pops that I just thought were great. Um, I had to imagine. So LJ, there's one spot in the first episode where Michael Jordan gets to the Bulls, and the, the director asks him, and this is Michael Jordan now talking, but he asks him, he goes, uh, at one point the Chicago Bulls were known as what he called what they say the cocaine circus, or yeah, something. something like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he just starts laughing, and then it gets Michael Jordan to a story where he goes, yeah. So one day I was trying, to, we're at the hotel room. This is his rookie year. And he's trying to find the team. He can't find the team. He's knocked on doors, knocked on doors, no one answer. Finally, he knocks on one hotel room and he hears in behind the door, like, shh, someone's here. And then someone looks at the people and goes, oh, that's just the rookie. He ain't going to say anything. He's, they say he opens the door and there's like, he said, it's unlike anything he's ever seen before. He said, there's drugs on this side, alcohol on this side, <laughs> naked women over here. All the players are there. And he remembers thinking that he had to leave because he's going to get in trouble if he's with them. Good Lord. All I can imagine is if you're a player on that Bulls team, you're like, hey, family, let's all get together. They're doing the documentary. And then this part, that scene comes up and you're like, uh, just for the record, I was not in that room. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but it, that was a good one. What was the the other? This, we talked about Scottie Pippen. And so he was I, – I first remember this happening when Shaq did it in like 2002 or something where Shaq got hurt at the end of the season, but he wasn't going to get surgery. He wasn't going to rehab over the summer because he said, quote, I got hurt on company time. I'm going to rehab on company time. (laughs) And it pissed Kobe off. So he set out the first like month or two of the season because he was rehabbing from an injury that he decided not to rehab for during the summer because Uh, why would I do that during the off season? Well, so Scottie Pippen did a similar thing at the beginning of this 97, 98 season 
where was it a foot surgery he had to get pops? Yeah, I think so. I think it was a foot surgery of some kind. <laughs> and he decided he wasn't going to get it during the summer. And he says it's a quote. And ESPN lets them like then they put like a mature audience thing, so they're letting them cuss and stuff. And he says, I w- I'm not going to let that bleep up my summer. <laughs> like he clearly is like, I'm not going to get surgery and be in a boot for my summer. I'll just do it when the season starts. Uh, and Jordan great. was pretty pissed off about it. Jordan was not happy with Scotty. No, he wasn't. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and I mean, I wasn't happy with Scotty because, I mean, I was a Bulls fan. And, I mean, Scotty Pippen, I just I, for those of you that don't remember, he was a hell of a player. I mean, seriously, yeah. maybe the second best player in the NBA at the time. And only because Jordan was there was he second. I mean, he was that good. Amazing player. He, I mean, he did pretty well with Jordan now, right? Like he, Yeah, uh, yeah he, he did pretty good. Yeah. Well, and I would – and I'm glad Jordan said it a bunch. And I think you're going to see Jordan obviously thinks in – he was, but also thanks and is the, the he was the center point of all this. But he said multiple times, if there's no Scottie Pippen, there's no Michael Jordan like y'all know me today. Like he was clear that Scotty was huge in all this. He was. Um did, what about the headache story? Do you remember that one, uh, Pops? Where so clearly watching this, it's uh, it's understandable why Jordan was so terrible when he was the GM of the or when he runs the uh the, the, <laughs> the, the Bobcat, Hornets now. The, yeah, the Hornets. Bobcats Hornets. Because it was, I, I don't think, remember if it was his rookie year or it was maybe the next year where he has a foot injury and the doctor's saying, hey, it's just best if we just rest him. Let's just not rest him because he could get hurt again. Plus, we can get a lottery pick. And actually, I did some research. At this point in time, Pops, the lottery was not like it is today where, you know, the worst record has a higher percentage chance of getting the number one pick and it goes so on. It was basically if you're in the lottery, you all get some ping pong balls and let's just see who gets it. Yeah. So the, the 15th worst gets at the same odds as the worst. So the Bulls, it would really behoove them to have Michael Jordan sit out and not make the playoffs, but he couldn't stand it. So he made the play. He he started playing and they made the playoffs. And at one point, they ask him, he's pushing hard to come back, even though the Bulls didn't want him and they didn't have the best. They didn't think they had a shot at winning the title anyway. So it led to an exchange with him and Jerry Reinsdorf, where Reinsdorf says, he basically asked the doctor, what happens? What's the percentage of him getting hurt again? And he said, "Uh, about a 10% chance. And he's like, okay, well, what happens if he gets hurt again? What does that mean for the long term of his career? And the doctor told him his career's over if he screws his foot up again. He needs to let it heal. And Michael Jordan says that everyone's looking at it glass half half empty. And they were saying, only 10% chance I get hurt. I want to come back. It's a 90% chance I don't get hurt. And Ryan Storff said he told him that if he if he had a really bad headache, and he said, here's 10 pills, here's 10 aspirin, nine of them will cure you, but one of them will, will kill you. But you don't know which one it is. Would you go ahead and take one? And Michael Jordan's response was, it depends how effing bad the headache is. <laughs> yeah. What are you saying? That's Jordan. That's there's Jordan just, there's just some amazing stories. Then there's another one where Bird is getting ready. The Bird's playing. It was, the year, it was this same year where they get to the playoffs and they let Jordan play, right, Pops? Mm-hmm. And he scores 49 in game one and 63 Three. in game two. Yep, 63. And they lose, they lose both games, but Jordan's just going nuts. And they ask Larry Bird at one point about Michael Jordan. He goes, what did he say? Quote, that wasn't Michael Jordan out there. That was God disguised as Michael Jordan. <laughs> I mean, what a great quote. That's coming from – that's crazy because, Pops, this is MJ before MJ is MJ, right? I mean, this Yeah, this is, is – uh, that was his rookie year, right? Was that his second, second year? This would have been like second year. So, I mean, I think probably the NBA world knew this guy's legit, but he wasn't the guy we think of today as the best player ever. And this is going against the Celtics who are – they were good. one of the best teams of all time. Mikhail, Parrish, Bird, DJ, Danny Ainge. I mean, they had a hell of a team then. And Jordan is just ripping them a new one. They're like, they're, they're, and Dennis Johnson was like one of the best defenders in the game at that point, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, ripping yeah. Ripping them a new one. But, but I remember that this was fueling the debate. The debate was very big at that point where Jordan, great player, can't win with him. You know, can't, can't win. You know, he let him score 63, but his team lost. And everybody was saying that. Everybody was saying, and... I would say there was some truth to that because until he got to trusting his other players and and letting them shoot. Well, I think we'll get into this. We'll get into that. I think the Bad Boys episodes are the next two. Yeah. And so you're really going to get into where they're finally like, all right, I got to trust my teammates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was what was a memorable? What was something that you that you remember either watching and you saw it for the first time and thought that's crazy, or something that you saw and like, yeah, that, that you know, just a memorable moment from the first two episodes, pops. Um, let me think. A lot of it was because I was just there at that time. I was watching those uh those games. I remember when Jordan went off for sixty three. Um, I, I remember watching that game, that one where he's between his legs and whatever, and he makes the jump shot from the right hand side. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching that uh, at that time, 
And I will say it was a bad look for the NBA. It, it was good for the argument. The people that argue like, oh, do you look at the guys who were guarding Jordan? They weren't the same athletes as they are today. I will say it didn't. It, it helped that argument when you see a guy like uh, Rick Carlisle starting for the Celtics, and he didn't look like uh, a pristine athlete out there. And it was a hard quote they played. It's the announcer in the game says like, "I think Jordan scores on Rick Carlisle," and it's like the third time in a row he scores on him. And Carlisle had no shot at guarding MJ. <laughs> and the announcer says in the broadcast, he's like, "And Rick Carlisle's probably going to go home and cry to his mama after this one." Like I was like, "Jesus, that's a grown man." <laughs> I do think it's interesting though because it it will and if you you guys well you're watching it uh, Kevin for sure and I guess you will LJ I'm probably about to, yeah I'm just um, yeah I think I don't know how it's going to make look, Jordan look at the end but I do think it'll remind a, a generation that hasn't seen him play perhaps you'll get to see what he was I mean he was an incredible athlete with a will to win that was his will to win I think is what separates him from anybody else in my book and you perhaps will see that some in this this uh in the series that they're doing yeah 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 i i think what i really i think you're gonna see and jordan actually had this quote last week before and i think it was on good morning america and they were talking about hey it's debut and what are your thoughts and he said that basically it was like there's gonna be a lot of people who watch this and think real poorly of me afterward and i think that's why it was held up for so long is because jordan was so winning was so important to him that it meant sacrificing friendships. It meant sacrificing whatever relationships. I mean, he was going to win at, at the end of everything, but one p- moment that I thought was really cool. And it was during, before they, before, when we're talking about this moment where his foot's hurt and they have him on a minutes restriction, which to me is still insane that they have him. He can only play seven minutes a half LJ. That's all they're going to play him in seven minutes a half. And like, it's, it's very strict on the coach at the time. He's not Phil Jackson. I forget who it is, but they tell the coach, if you play him anything over seven minutes, you are you will be fired. So like at seven, if he's reached that minute, call a timeout and pull him out. I don't care what scores. And so they're playing against. I think it might have been the Celtics, but it was just a regular season game. But they needed to win to get to the playoffs. Yeah. And thirty seconds left in the game, the Bulls are down by one, and Jordan has hit that mo- he's hit that sh- that minute restriction, and they take him out. And Jordan is incredulous. I mean, he cannot. He's like thirty effing seconds. Yeah. You can't let me play thirty more seconds to get this win. We need this win to get in the playoffs. And Jordan was adamant that. He had made a like one of his goals was to make the playoffs every single year. And so he was like, This is our chance. We're gonna miss the playoffs because you can't play me in 30 seconds. They take him out. Paxton, I think it was Paxton ends up hitting the game winner. Yep. Dad. It was. And to show you that I I think Jordan gets a rap as a bad teammate, but I think he just wanted to win so bad. Because if you really were a guy, we see a lot of guys now where I want to show you that I, winning means everything to me, but I also want to be the guy hitting the shot every time to win yeah. it. I don't want to be the guy on the bench. And Jordan was pumped. They want Paxson hits the shot and Jordan's the first guy running off the bench to go hug him and high five. So it wasn't always like Jordan had to be the one to hit the game winner. He right. just really didn't trust you to hit the game winner often. Right. <laughs> I think it's going to be fascinating pops. Cause I think it's going to be for people like you, you're reliving this moment that you, I mean, this was a great time watching sports for you. And then I think we're going to really get later in this series, uh, a look behind the curtain where we really see, the guys in the locker room and how they interacted with each other and just uh, something we've never seen before. And then for someone like me, who's never really get to see Jordan in his prime and watch it. And then to hear like, to hear magic and bird talk about Jordan before Jordan was even the guy winning every single championship, they were talking about him. Like he was a legend, like he was mythical. And I just think it's going to really open the eyes of younger people and then just be a, a nice walk down memory lane for some, some older hoop fans. Yeah, so for yeah, sure. For sure. Um, Speaking of sports, let's go. We're going to get some live sports, actually. Well, it's not live sports, but it's actual live action with sports. And that is the NFL draft. They they still say it's going to happen on Thursday night. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but apparently on Monday, the NFL held a, ma- a mock draft ahead of the real thing just to kind of let people see, here's how we're going to try to do it. Here's you're going to be on different Skypes or Zooms or whatever. And some of the tweets coming from it were just absolutely hilarious. Diane Rossini with ESPN said that she was texting with multiple coaches and GMs who are in the mock draft. And they said that everyone is saying the same thing, that bandwidth is a problem and that they can't make everything load up. And then a follow-up tweet, she said that she got a text from a GM during the draft that said, there are communications issues early right now because all 32 GMs are on the conference and none of them will mute. So all we hear is just a bunch of people talking at the same time. Oh, I 32 people pain. talking at the same time. Hmm. And then Adam Schefter tweeted out this. Text from a participant on the NFL's mock draft that started at 1 p.m. Eastern. Mock, quote, mock draft today, already technical glitches with Cincinnati's 
first pick. We haven't got to the first pick. So let's just hope Thursday works a little better. Um, it sounds like it's a little rough, but I can only imagine these, like, think about it. Usually the NFL draft is all these teams have a war room set up where all like scouts and GMs and assistants, everyone's in this room and they're all talking. And now none of them are in the same room. They're all going to be video chatting yeah. and talking on the phone and all. it's going to be a mess. I, I think you're going to see some team probably end up with like, a great draft just because everyone else botched it. And you're going to see some teams just completely yeah. Bill O'Brien it and flush <laughs> yeah. things down the toilet. It, whereas Andy Reid's going to be like, I love working from home. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned Andy Reid. Let's get into, and we put, we'll put some of these on the uh, show notes, but a few oh, can we different put coaches. All of them. <laughs> a few NFL coaches have started put, or GMs, I mean, and coaches have started putting out their, their war room set up, basically, basically yeah. like what, how they're going to do the draft. And uh, some of the – you mentioned Andy Reid first. Andy Reid looks like he's just in the basement with a few computers set up, maybe playing some D&D or something down there. <laughs> Did you notice, though, shout-out to Andy Reid, a very well-placed little uh, cardio machine. It's like an elliptical or something right over to the left. And it's also got a towel draped over it to where it looks like it's been in use recently. So I think I don't think that accidentally got into the picture. I didn't see that. I did see I the Purell he's got below his knee, but <laughs> – who, who else was a good one? We had uh, John Lynch's setup. That, that looks, looks legit. legit. I'm jealous. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. John Lynch has about eight monitors. Uh, the, the GM of the Chargers has a, like, he's basically set up like on a dining room table and he's got like eight laptops, a monitor, I think an iPad. Like he's got, he's got the pretty nice setup. And then you got Mike Pence in the room though. So. <laughs> <laughs> then of course you got Dave Gettleman who took a picture of his at home draft war setup. And it's one laptop yeah. and a giant binder. That's it. That's, that's the first. Uh, that's the first millionaire that I've ever seen that I have a better office than. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks ridiculous. I, uh, this should be your setup where you have like your call going on with your. You yeah. can look at all your the videos. Maybe you can talk to your scouts. You can talk to your owner. And he's got one laptop. He does. At least he does have a mouse plugged into it, so he's not using a trackpad. <laughs> right. So, right. At least he's got that. And they just got a gigantic yeah, binder. I don't know what Five-inch binder. Have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. Um, do you think... Or let's and just his start, lotion, I, just in case. And his lotion. I yeah. saw that. Yeah. Vino lotion. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's an odd place for it. Uh, do you Do you guys think... Does it feel like... I feel like there's not near as much buildup to the draft this year. Maybe because... There's not been pro days. There's not been rumors swirling. There's not been all this stuff. I'll be honest with you. I, uh, uh, Thursday at around midnight, I was like, oh shit, did I miss the draft? Because we, I just, I don't, no one's talked like it's, there's nothing to it. It's, it's barely even a news item at this point. Yeah. Like normally we would be talking about it the last few weeks. We'd be saying, did you hear now Tua might go number four or Tua might go number 10 or they're yeah. saying a receiver could go to a wrong. We just kind of been like the draft is coming up. I was afraid I that Joe I Burrow- missed my Roger Goodell boo. That we all are going <laughs> to do Thursday night at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central time. We're going to be booing Roger Goodell. Um, do you think, do you, what, is there a guy that you like in this draft, Pops? Have you even thought much about it? Is there someone you, not necessarily for a Cowboys, just someone you're kind of. Well, I don't, I think I'm in line with a lot of people, but I like that Chase Young. I think he's almost a can't miss. Yeah. Uh, oh, that yeah. guy. I would love to have the opportunity to, to take him. I might take him one overall, um, quite frankly, and and I think that over Joe Burrow or yeah, well, I, I mean, do you need I, a quarterback? Yeah, it depends on it depends on what you need, but I think it would be interesting. So you're Cincinnati. Say you're Cincinnati. I think it would be interesting if if all of a sudden Washington said, you know, we're thinking about Chase Young and just just screw Cincinnati's uh, draft up. Uh, yeah, you know because or, or they're thinking about Joe Burrow. Wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. So they're thinking about Joe Burrow, but I. Or, or Cincinnati could say, hey, we're going to take Chase Young. That's what I'm saying. Cincinnati could say, that we're interested okay, in Chase okay. Young. That's then what I'm saying. Now the dominoes falling after that would be like, whoa, what do we do now? Well, because then think- Washington would probably trade up if, if they yeah. really thought Cincinnati was going to take Chase Young because they got what's Haskins there. Not, I, don't, I just can't see them taking a quarterback at two. We, we did just see a team, the Cardinals took Rosen, and then the next year took a quarterback yeah. number one overall. So yeah. it wouldn't be the first time it's happened. Yeah, no True. doubt. Good. And it wouldn't be the first time that Dan Snyder's done something to make you go, what the hell are they doing in Washington? <laughs> but so I, to, fin- to finish, I would say Chase Young and then the receivers. I'm anxious to see where the receivers go. The, the wide receiver, it's a hell of a draft for wide receivers this year. I've seen I've seen that the Broncos are trying to trade up to get Judy. So uh, Really? Could, 
Could Between you the two Bama guys with Rugs and Judy, Rugs and Judy, CD Lamb, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, there's. I, really if I was receivers. Drew Luck, I w- Drew Luck, I would be uh, pretty excited about having Cortland Sutton and uh, Judy on my team. That would be a pretty serious boon to your stat- stats immediately. I think the and we talked a little bit about it either last week or week four. I think the most interesting name in this draft is going to be Tua, and yeah. it's going to be. Did it hurt him not being able to go get in front of team doctors? Did it help him not being able to go in front of team doctors? Personally, I feel about Tua the way back in, and this is NBA, but the back when dad felt strongly about uh, Kevin Durant. Like, I really think Tua is. You think he's the guy? Okay. I think he's the guy. There's something about, I think he's a really good leader. I mean, ways that he just has the intangibles, the the soft skills, as LinkedIn would say, (laughs) where, I mean, you watch him as a freshman, he came in and like, against Georgia in the national championship and looks off a safety and makes a perfect throw to win yeah. it in the fourth quarter with like 30 seconds remaining. And then it just seems like his teammates like him. I think he's got the arm. I think he's got the athletic ability. Now he has had ankle injuries and then this hip thing's weird you ne- injuries. You just never know about. And that's scary. But I think if he stays healthy, which may be a big, if I think he's a lock, I just think he's everything mm. I would want in a quarterback. And I think I like him better than Joe Burrow. I don't know if I would have the the gumption to take him over Joe Burrow just with the injury question marks. But if I knew he was healthy, if my team doctors could see him and I knew he was healthy, if you're I would picking take like him. five or six, you're you're pretty excited about that, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm fascinated to see do the do, does the team track does if all of a sudden, especially if the dominoes fall like that thing where Chase Young all of a sudden goes one and Joe Burrow drops a few picks, now where does Tua go if he's still yeah. sitting around at five or six? Does a team like the Raiders trade up their two first round picks and go get a guy who they think is the franchise quarterback? Does a team like the Patriots? Does any team who think like what are the what do the the Lions do? They have Matthew Stafford, but do you maybe go, I'm ready to move on from Matthew Stafford and get two on a rookie contract? I don't know. I just have no idea what teams are gonna do. And I think he's gonna be fascinating. He's gonna be the pick that I'm looking for. I too um, am interested. Yeah. So LJ, do you go ahead? Well, he'll be the story. I think you're right. Where does Tua go? I think that's that is certainly an intriguing story of this draft. Is who takes the chance on him, and do they get rewarded? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it feels like, and maybe it's because I just feel like it's weird. The draft talk has not been as prevalent in in my life, or just in general, as it usually is at this point. And I think I think it's because normally there's NBA games on. There's all kinds of stuff going on, so I'm still catching Sports Center every every you know yeah. at least a glimpse every so often. And they're having draft coverage. Whereas today, before that Michael Jordan doc, I don't think I've watched ESPN the channel in two weeks, two yeah. or three weeks. I just said never. There's there's not been a reason to because they're. I mean, they're trying to make content out of nothing. God, but I wonder what Colin been. Coward's talking about on on Fox Sports right now. Like, I just wonder what he's even got to do. Like, he's talking about shakes right now, right? Like, that's all he knows to talk about is soup and shakes. <laughs> well, there's some, there's somehow that he's talked about how Tua getting drafted is like. When you have a good marriage, but you see a cute girl that you kind of want to go, but there's red flags, obviously. You know, he always has some weird metaphor where yeah. he, he he makes these things. Yeah, I don't know what the – it'd be tough to be in a sports radio talk where at least we do once a week where we talk. Yeah. We don't have to talk sports. If you're just sports radio talking every day for three, three days, hours, yep. that's tough. That's yeah, tough. Just, you, you know, I think we're getting back to normal slowly, but I know it was about a week ago. I was probably listening to a Bill Simmons podcast, and they were talking about sports and all, and I felt a little guilty. I thought – you know, it's just it. This has really put everything in perspective completely. Yeah. But I mean, because I'm so, uh, we are so into sports. I mean, it's like a huge part of our life, and in the scheme of things, it's not that important. But yeah. God, I love the distraction. I'm ready for yeah. it to come yeah. back. But yeah, uh, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I know it, it leaves you kind of looking around. What am I going to watch next? Like what? And this documentary came at perfect time. Um. Before we move on to the next topic, I do want to talk about our friends. Pops, if I was looking to get into maybe get, get some home security for my home and I, I didn't have a ton of You want to stay safe. You want to stay safe, yeah. but you don't want it to be too difficult. Yeah, I want it to be kind of easy, yeah. but I want to stay safe. Do you know Do you know of any good options? Uh, you know, actually, I have a very simple answer for you. Yeah. Really? Oh, please. Yeah. It's called Simply Safe. And What? Yeah. What a name. How about that? Isn't that just yeah. a very unique name? Um, and, and with home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs Ugh. a small fortune. Cords everywhere. That Ugh. sucks. Or there's the other way, the Simply Safe way. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection. It's the two-time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. 
Well, I've got a question though, real quick. Do you think like Kevin would be able to set this up on his own though? Really? I mean, he's asking. That yeah, that's my that's my big question. I think he could. I actually think Kevin could set it up by himself. I think <laughs> I could set it up by myself. <laughs> Simply Safe will blanket your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home, outdoor cameras and doorbell alerts that alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard the inside. You'll barely notice it's there. But what's truly remarkable is you can set up the system, Kevin, all by yourself. All by yourself. What? All by yourself. Anyone can do it. Even, well, that's good because I live by myself. Even I, I'm worried. Could I set it up? <laughs> Anyone can do it. It takes 30 minutes to an hour. Tops. And there's absolutely no trade-offs to your safety. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice 24-7. And okay. get this. It's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. I have a quarter sitting right here. All I need to do is find you're, another you're quarter. Find you're halfway there. For the and day. I got today covered. You got today covered. <laughs> halfway covered. And you know what? That'll save you all the rest of the quarters you find for the rest of the day because no one can take them. <laughs> that's right. You'll be safe. You will be Simply Safe. And that's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. So go to simplysafe.com slash team today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com slash team. Slash team. That's simplysafe.com slash team. T-E-A-M. All right. So I know we talked, we joked earlier about uh, NFL coaches and GMs and how they're going to get duped or screwed up. And just them dealing with technology just cracks me up. The thought of it does. Did you see now with, with no sports going on, Everyone's just having fun. They're making fake accounts, doing all kinds of stuff on Twitter. And did you see the uh, the head football coach that got tricked by a fake account on a high school recruit, LJ? No, what happened? I thought this one would hit home with you because this was just hilarious. So what happened? It isn't the first, and it won't be the last time a fake account on Twitter of a recruit will trick someone. But with sports on a hiatus, one person actually was able to trick NIU, Northern Illinois' oh, head God. coach. So That's Andrew's they did. Water. Oh, is it really? <laughs> okay, so listen to this. Somebody made an account for it. We'd have nothing to do. So they pulled up their, they got their old Xbox 360 out and they made a road to glory. <laughs> <laughs> they made a road to glory. They made an account for their road to glory. And the profile picture is a fake person off of NCAA. It's a picture of their fake game quarterback. And they made the account and they even had a pic of the game as a profile pic. And in the tweet, they talked about how they got an offer from Northern Illinois and how they're really excited about it. And they're just joking like, hey, I got, I'm down to three offers. I'm excited about our decision. And the Illinois head football coach, Thomas Hammock, got into the guy's DMs and messaged him and said, quote, I'm the only person that offers scholarships and I did not offer you, adding that we don't play those games here. (laughs) The person sent back a picture of NCAA 14 where he was shown to have it like it had a checkmark as an offer from NIU. And the coach Hammock responded again saying, quote, come on, let's not do this. It's already enough kids posting fake accounts. He later realized that, wow. This was a joke about a road to glory. The dude wasn't even trying to like actually say he got an offer from NIU. And he put, he tweeted out this. He had a good taste about it. So he said, due to NCAA rules, I'm not allowed to comment on specific recruits, even if they're from the class of 2014. I would like to state that all of our offers are committable and come personally from me. People pull offers every day, but we're not like that. We're not in this business. Honesty is policy. Man, he really got me. So he's playing <laughs> cool good. with it, but I just cannot believe this dude wasn't even trying to like, actually trick someone and thinking he had offered him NIU because it's not even a real person. It was a fake yeah. video game guy. On this but I thought it was hilarious. Oh, that's great. But uh, speaking of the NCAA, did you guys hear any of the news of the, the, it's the number one recruit in the 2021, this is basketball. Now the number, number, number one recruit decided that instead of go to play college basketball in this next season, he's going to go ahead and join the NBA leagues, the NBA developmental league, which it's a, it's like it's like what they did with the G League, but it's a refurbished is what ESPN called it, where the prospects will make at least five hundred thousand dollars a season. And the Athletic actually reports that Jalen Green, who is the guy for this number two thousand twenty one class, who's projected right now to be the number one pick, and not this year's draft, but the next. Obviously, things change, but that just tells you he's legit, like the re- the real deal. Yeah, and he's gonna go make up to they said a million bucks in this developmental league, Jeez. where they'll play about twenty games. They'll play against some. Veteran NBA players, they'll play some games against other countries, and you'll just forego the NCAA. My play right now. Clark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, exactly. uh, 
the another guy, a 2020 prospect, Isaiah Todd, decommitted from Michigan last week. He was like the number – he was a five-star recruit. He decommitted from Michigan last week and said that he's also going to join the developmental league. And another guy, uh, Kyrie Walker, I think he's like the number 50 recruit, is decided he's going to do this too. So I wonder if college basketball seemed like – one, obviously college basketball is weird this year because we didn't get a tournament, so obviously that's weird. But there wasn't the same buzz about college basketball as there was last year with Zion Williamson because there wasn't just like a that polarizing yeah. name or team or something to, to rally around. And if some of these big-name recruits say this works out for Jalen Green, we already watched LaMelo Ball go overseas last year. And now he might be drafted number one overall. If all of a sudden there's a hmm. consistent route to go get paid good money. Right now. Like, yeah, get paid right yeah, now. You go get paid legit money over the table and you can still get drafted top five. You could start seeing a lot more guys do this. Well, this is Don't just you like, think, or do you think? I mean, I think this is just like if, if we talked about working from home and how that's going to change the economy. I think that's going to happen here too, because I think first off, no school can guarantee that they're going to have basketball games next year. So what high school senior looking at a school right now is going to commit to a place that's not paying him money and also might not let him showcase his talents and also might hold him another year before the NBA is even willing to look at him. So I think that this is like if the developmental league and the Europe leagues want to throw some money at some high school U.S. basketball players, this is the year to do it because it looks pretty tasty right now if I would be, you know, an 18-year-old trying to figure out what to do with my life. It. It just is interesting to me because we we watched like you just watched the la- the guy who might go number one in this year's draft Jamie we- James Wiseman the guy that was at Memphis we talked about it before yeah he went to Memphis and then Penny Hardaway maybe helped him move yeah and gave him some money to help him get situated a, a lot of money but yeah right but not five hundred thousand no not what these guys are getting paid legally I mean yeah and Wiseman now is known as the guy who didn't get to play he didn't even he went to Memphis and didn't get to play and then sat out a year and now he was involved in this whole scandal stuff. You can just not deal with any of that. Don't get deal paid with more that money, yeah. Get paid legit money. And this league you're offering, like, so what ESPN, there's still not a whole lot of certainty of what this development of league is going to be. I know they tried to do this last year. They tried to start one. And if you remember, remember the guy, Darius Balsey, decided not to go to USC and go start in this thing too. But they were only paying at that point, I think, 25000 or 50000 I say only. That's a lot of money. Yeah. But they've decided now they need to make it really worth the guy's while and what they're they're going to offer oversight from pro coaches and veteran players and exhibition games against G League teams and teams from other countries and then also offer they're also offering the chance you have a full ride to go to school when you choose you want to like they're going to pay for your school when you get ready Damn. to go to school who would ever choose otherwise then if you're like if you really see Unless that as your goal the only reason you choose otherwise is if you you're not good enough watching march well or you grew up watching march madness and you want yeah. to go be on a team you want it's, to go win a championship it's one or the other you're either like you're the sixth man off the bench on a you know a, a decent d1 team or yeah you just you've always dreamed of of cutting down that net um i think it. it could i think this could seriously and it, a lot is going to depend what happens with jalen green and isaiah todd and and some of these guys but if all of a sudden it works out well for these guys and they got paid legit dollars and they come on a year from now and like I would advise every because they're going to get calls now from the number one recruit in 2022 if he has that option he's thinking about it he's going to call up Jalen Green and be like so what was it like did you like it I'm mean, telling what yeah. you really think yeah and if he's like it was the best decision I've ever made you're going to start seeing more and more guys do this I still think college basketball is going to be college basketball I, I think we'll still enjoy it but it will be weird if all of a sudden you don't have those. Zion Williamson's, you know, if you don't have that guy to really, what do you think, Pops? Well, because you're, this developmental league is is sponsored by the NBA, right? Right. The NBA has a fantastic farm system with college basketball. I think the it seems like they're kind of shooting their ready-made farm system in the foot. It seems like what the NBA needs to do is just get rid of the. If you're good enough to go pro straight from high school, do it. Yeah. And if you're not, go to college and 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 improve your game so you can be a professional. I I just think that this might wind up hurting college basketball, which hurts the farm system of the NBA. I I'm not sold on it yet. I'm just you know you're just kind of telling me about it. I'm hearing the numbers you're throwing around that a young man can get paid half a million dollars. I mean that's going to turn some heads. I yeah you know I'm half a million dollars would turn my head. I might go to Italy and play basketball right now. Today, yeah. for half a well, million I dollars. Think, I think to that, I think that it it likely will kill college basketball as we know it. Like, it's not going to kill college basketball. It's still going to be a fantastic sport worth watching every March. Like, it's not going to go away and be useless. 
Yeah. But like this idea of it being like the audition for the draft or, you know, you're seeing these, you know, these scrappers playing up against the blue chippers, you know, and and the Cinderella story of the nobodies versus, you know, the people that signed because they're going to the NBA next year. And that's why they went to a school with a K in the beginning of the name. And uh, and so I, I, I do think it's going to absolutely, you know, demolish that. But I think the NBA almost feels like they have to. Because I think every year there are more and more people that are, you know, like me who are, you know, look at the industry that is profiting off of the backs of people for free. And, you know, they keep chipping into that, that they they almost have to either start paying those players that are creating their industry or um, disassociate with the ones that are using, you know, saying here's here's uh, here's tuition, which is X thousand dollars and we're making a million dollars off of your name. You know, so I, I do feel like they they want to distance from that mentality at some point and they want to do it slowly. So the NBA is arguing against the hypocrisy of making the money on these players backs and not giving them any. Is that kind of what you're suggesting? What I'm implying yeah, is that they're uh, they're at least trying to present themselves as such. You know, I, I don't know that they necessarily care. They'd rather make uh, more money and spend less money, obviously. And so spending money is not going to help that. But um, if a generation of young people decide like that's not a fair way to treat people that are making millions of dollars that uh, for a, a company, then, you know, they start to look bad. They start to look bad to the younger generation and they want the NBA to be the biggest sport in the, uh, you know, in the world over the next 20 years. So, well, it's just interesting to me. It was the NBA who changed the rule to where guys could no longer come straight from high right. school because they thought, too many teams were getting these guys who weren't ready to be a pro. They just were, they were still a child and they were getting there and you saw too many flame outs. And it was at least the college game gives you a chance to really evaluate their talent more, see them against more yeah. talented players and also let them grow up. You just change a lot between the ages of 18 to 19, 18 to 20. Damn right. You know, yeah. there's just so much changes then. But I, my, and then my second question is one, let's just change that real IQ. College basketball was totally fine, Pops, when. Kobe could go straight pro. I mean, college basketball was fun then. College yeah. basketball was yeah. fine in 2003 when LeBron went pro. You still had Carmelo who decided to go to Syracuse. Like, college basketball will be fine. And if the if I say you let the guys go straight out of high school, and if the coach, if the, the right management can't draft him and, and try to grow him and give him the, the, the right tools to succeed, then you screwed up. Sorry, you shouldn't have taken him. You should just do better self-evaluation of yourself and realize that y'all don't have the right system in place. But then my second question on this is, how does it make money, right? So, like, he's getting paid. Jalen Green's going to get paid at least five hundred thousand. The athletic reports his earning 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 package could surpass a million dollars. Where I mean, is that just coming out of the NBA? Is that just a negative from the NBA? Like, are you not televising the G League? We don't. The G League doesn't make any money. People so go where to those I games. Wonder, make people, yeah, they get. So, yeah. Do they? Do they make enough? I mean, I, well, especially the NBA's got to like, make money off the NCAA. Obviously, it makes a ton of money. It's a cash cow. If you've got so that get, that talent level, if you've got you know the next big high schooler stud that's going to be the guy. I mean, there you don't have to sell out a stadium to make uh, five hundred thousand dollars over a year. You know, you you just have to. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of people can fit in a stadium. I mean, Kev, wouldn't you go see if this guy comes to, to anywhere near you and you're like, hey, he could be the number one pick in the NBA draft next year? I mean, what if I can watch a stream? I just watch his highlight. I don't know. I just wonder. We, we're not watching the the MLB. How much money does the minor leagues make in the MLB? I, I read somewhere that the MLB is proposed to eliminate 42 minor league teams because they're just it's a negative asset. It's not making enough money. I would say more than- if I was running a pro sports league right now, I would try to create the product, right, that is – you know, you look at the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, where you spend uh, dozens of dollars per ticket minimum, if not hundreds. Um, and and then I would love to have like that sort of like B League where you get a similar action level of people that are, uh, you know, good enough to be in that league next year. And you pay, you know, 10 bucks to get yourself in minimum or maximum. You know, I think yeah, that's- so Jalen Green and his squad comes to Little Rock and they're playing a game and maybe not a huge stadium, but a, a good size stadium. Yeah. Would it sell out? Maybe. maybe. It depends on the price of the tickets. The number one overall pick, then because I already know like if right now and I don't even know how good LaMelo Ball is, but if LaMelo Ball was playing somewhere within an hour from here and it was 20 bucks to get a ticket. Probably, yeah, sure. Let's Why go not? see it. Let's, yeah. let's go see him. Yeah, would you, might buy, you might buy a $6 beer while you're there and a, and a hot dog, you know. Everybody if, wins, yeah. Stadiums yeah. Would probably give you deals to get people in who are, you know, trying to sell out. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be cool. I, I'm interested to see where it goes because I do think 
this case study this year, what these guys do and where they get drafted, it's going to really change. Because if, if all of a sudden they give the blueprint of, hey, you can go make good money, you can go to this developmental league, they're going to get you ready to play against grown men and play an 82-game season. They're going to get you ready for that, not college basketball. And then you're not just playing the their – they're full and just getting, you know, you don't get paid anything and they make all this money off. Cause I know and it's you gotta pass calculus. I mean, calculus. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. A lot of these guys, when they go there and they know they're going to go one year and done, they go to school for one semester. And then that spring semester, they're not even going to classes. That's why some of them go pro right. even when they're not ready. Cause like, well, shit, I wouldn't go into school. Cause all I last failed everything <laughs> because I already knew I was leaving. So I'm, I won't be eligible if I go back. So that's why you see some of these guys like, well, actually you're not projected till the second round. I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm gonna- <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it goes from here because I do think if, if they do the blueprint, all the guys will follow. So we'll see. Um, to wrap up today's episode, I know we, we always get to what we're listening to. And, and Pops, you wanted to clear up a little bit from last week's what we listened to. Is that right? Yeah, indeed. I do need to clear something up. I uh, made a little mistake last week. A little oopsie. A little oopsie, oopsie daisy. <laughs> um, I was I was all lost in the Bill Withers. Uh, by the way, looking up Bill Withers, you know he was born in Slab Fork, West Virginia. What <laughs> a, a name! <laughs> what a place, Slab Fork, West Virginia. Oh man, um, I'm gonna build a cabin there someday. <laughs> sounds great. Uh, but Bill Withers, uh, isn't that where Piss Snuggles from? Yeah, he <laughs> is be. from West Virginia. God, I hope he's oh, from Slab Fork. Slab Fork. <laughs> I hope he's from Slab Fork. That'd be fantastic. Um, but Bill Withers was not the Bill that was known as the fifth Beatle for a short time. Oh, man. Unfortunately, that was one Billy Preston. Billy Billy Preston uh, received actually label billing on the Get Back single on the Let It Be album. George Harrison invited Billy Preston to come play on that uh, album. There was a lot of... The Beatles were kind of getting a little sick of each other by that time. And uh, they brought in Preston to help do that song, Get Back, which is a great single. And he is the only musician that I saw, this is from Wikipedia, the only musician ever to receive that acknowledgement from a Beatles release uh, to get credit for a song. So it wasn't Bill Weathers, rest in peace, great artist, one of my favorite of all time. I actually like Billy Preston pretty well too, but it was Billy Preston, not Bill Weathers, that was known as the fifth beat. Well, we just wanted to clear the air up so people weren't going, well, you know, this is what they said on Just Press Play podcast. Because, you know, every now and then, you yeah. know, everybody's wrong. Pops isn't wrong very often, but every now and then, <laughs> it does happen. That rare, that, that rarity. That rarity, yep. Um, all right, El, what are you even listening to this week? Um, so I'm a, I'm a nerd. Um, and so we've been playing a lot of D&D lately, and I've just gotten the D&D itch. So if you're, if you're a nerd like me, which you're not because you're listening to a sports podcast, um, but you might be. Uh, check out uh, Critical Role is a D&D podcast where you have voice actors playing d and It's pretty fun. So that's what I've been listening to. Oh, nice, nice. Pops, I, I know we had your, your cleanup, but we didn't actually get what, what, who you're listening to. Is there anybody? Are you still on your Beatles kick? Uh, yeah, I'm still on my Beatles kick, but I'm on a new album. So, okay. you know, I'm going to give you a few of these as we go by. I'll probably be on a Beatles kick for a little while. Uh, right now, I'm into the eponymous album. It's called The Beatles, but it's known better as The White Album. Uh, it was a two-album oh, set. Um, I'll tell you, I, I'm going to tell you some of the songs on here. One of my new favorite songs, I think I'd heard it maybe once before, Dear Prudence. I don't know if, if yeah. either one of you know Dear oh, Prudence. It's a good song. Great song. Oh. Absolutely one of my favorites. Uh, could make it in my Beatles top 10 that I'm going to do at some point. Uh, on this podcast, but Dear Prudence, one of my favorite new new favorite Beatles songs, uh, Obladi Oblada. Obladi, it goes on. And- Life goes on. Great song. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give a little quick shout out here. While my guitar gently weeps is on Harrison. this album, uh, oh. George Harrison. But also, did you see where Prince did the guitar solo? at one of the music award shows. Yes. I will find that, that Grammy, send yeah. it to you. Oh, he killed it. Yeah. And if you'll notice at the end of the guitar solo, Prince throws his guitar up and it never comes down where it went. <laughs> we do not know that I'll, I'll find the link and send it to you. So it'll be on our show notes. Um, another quick, quick three more songs off of it. Rocky Happiness, raccoon. Happy Rocky raccoon is a good one. <laughs> you know, this one had helter skelter too, which, you know, yeah. Charles Manson yeah. heard people talk to him. I mean, helter skelter may be a, the first punk rock song the Beatles ever did. It's, yeah. it's an interesting tune. Happiness is a warm gun is yeah. on this one. And I actually like that song. Yeah. 
uh, Don't Pass Me By, Blackbird. And then finally, not necessarily one of my favorites, but a shout out to my buddy Bob Hubbard, who would always like to sing, Why Don't We Do It in the Road? No one will be watching us. And you just heard every lyric to the whole song. Why don't we do it in the road? Because no one will be watching us. So that is on the White Album. That's what I'm listening to right now. All right. Well, and my what we're listening to for this week is uh, I've been jamming some, and he's been on here before, but I didn't realize he had a new song. Well, I don't know how new it is, but it's new to me. Uh, Leon Bridges oh. has a song with John Mayer, Inside Friend. Really good song. I, I just looked up Leon Bridges because I hadn't listened to him in a while. And then I saw Leon Bridges featuring John Mayer. I was like, wait a minute. Why is this not in my ears already? So I, I hit play on you that. Know- and then just been digging some Leon. Bridges. I almost so called out John Mayer earlier in this episode because we were talking about Michael Jordan and we were talking, I, I was thinking about making the little highlight videos for our like drafted rec teams. And man, it's yeah. so much fun to watch Michael Jordan because he has a John Mayer guitar face every time he's about to go uh, score. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know any other basketball players that look the same way a guitar soloist looks, but Michael Jordan's <laughs> one of those men. <laughs> Hmm, I that did is not pick up on that, LJ. That's interesting. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I think that will wrap up another edition of the JPP pod. Do you guys have anything else y'all want to get out before we sign off? I'm, I, I, I do want to throw out a weird little metaphor at you guys. Okay. Yeah. All okay. Right. So let's get weird. We haven't got weird in a little let's while. Let's get a little weird. weird. Uh, do we all know the safe word? <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. We yes, do. Okay, we, do. Guys, we do. Um, okay. So. I was just thinking about like what like what makes up a human like what is what is a person and we're all like loosely connected atoms right like we can all agree that like somehow all of these atoms stack up together to make you who you are right yep right in some weird way and so I was thinking like how how much is a human and like how much space is there in a human and I found that there's like ninety nine point nine 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 percent empty space in a human um. So one way to quantify this, yeah, one way to quantify this is if uh, you blew up the size of an an atom's nucleus to the size of a human, right? So about, you know, somewhere around, you know, five foot six uh, to six feet tall, right? Right. So the closest that any two atoms in the densest structure possible for an atom get to each other at that scale would be the equivalent to 124 miles away. Meaning that if we were the size of a nucleus of an atom, the closest atom, like to dad right now, would be in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. That's the clo- That would be the closest other thing in all of existence to you. And you would have 12 neighbors and that is it. So like the amount of you that is empty space is basically all of it. And that's absurd to me. I'm a little lost. So you're saying if, if I was the size of an atom. An atom's nucleus is now six feet tall. Right? Okay. And the so next then, atom in my body would be in Pine Bluff. Well, and that's not even in your body because you're not as dense as most metals, right? So most metals are denser than you. That's like the densest possible situation before we have like a nuclear explosion is that someone, the closest atom is Pine Bluff, Arkansas, or uh, I also wrote down Fort Smith. Fort Smith would be just about the same as the crow flies. Those two places would be the closest atom to you based on uh, how much empty space is between atoms in the most dense structures in all of recorded human knowledge. Okay, I have a question for you, LJ. Okay. How does one stumble across... I I know about falling in deep holes and getting... And all of a sudden, I'm on the 18th link. I don't know how I got to this, but I'm I'm all in on a conspiracy theory. Where do you... Are you just sitting there one night and you're like... I mean, do you no, really? Okay, really so practically, are you just thinking so, how much empty space is in your head? <laughs> you no, start yeah, studying. So, or? no, here's here's where. I'll say something really stupid. You're like, there's nothing up there. <laughs> here's where like, it well, goes. There's nothing in his body. Okay, Literally, so, there's nothing here, up there. Here's how we get there. Here's how we get there. Is Dad posted a bunch of questions the other day, all of which plague me. Um, two of which are seriously plaguing. Um, unrelated. Did we invent math or discover math? And I think like I apply that to music. Did we invent music or discover music? I think that's brilliant question. And I don't know how to deal with it. I just can't fathom how to deal with that. But what I could fathom is how to deal with, do we have free will? That was another question that dad kind of posted to the group. And so in trying to figure out like, what is free will? I feel like we are a bunch of chemical reactions, right? Like the, when you put your hand on a stove, uh, a stimulus gets sent to your brain, which forces your hand away. And Every other decision your brain makes is the exact same thing, except it's just much more convoluted and complicated. 
So like does, so you're programmed, right? Based on the way that electricals, uh, uh, interference bounces around in your brain. And then the way that chemicals have taught you to, uh, appreciate different patterns and stuff like that. And so I was thinking like, we actually probably don't have free will because like, um, what is, what, what is free will when it, we're just responding to stimulus around us. Right. And all stimulus has already been decided. If nothing else has free will. Anyway, I'm on this sort of train and I'm thinking, right. so how close is a brain cell to its nearest neighbor? Like, do they like, does, does my brain cell like, like Tom, does he know Jerry? You know what I mean? Like they don't know each other. They're just like neighbors. <laughs> and I thought like, so, so, so the two atoms in your brain are named Tom and Jerry. Yeah. That's the that two I've got. Okay. But, but, but so, and so I started thinking like, so how, like, so if I've got neighbors and then I've got, you know, billions of brain cells, how many of them like would actually have some sort of like working relation in like a, a you like a, a human form. And, uh, the nearest neighbor is, is, uh, you're closer to space than your nearest neighbor on that scale. And that just blew my mind. And so I ended up, you know, doing a lot of math and figuring out how close our atoms are. to you. you said doing a lot of math, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought you said something else and maybe I just read something about Tiger King. So maybe that's why I thought yeah. for a second you said, so I did a lot of math. So, I started thinking about, so, so I met I like, whoa, LJ, do we need to talk? <laughs> No, no, no. Just math. Math is my anti-drug. <laughs> well, I knew the reason I asked the question is because I knew there would be a little, you probably have the, the, the tracks back. Like you could tell us how you kind of got there. And I thought it'd be fascinating. So, well, because every brain cell communicates by like an electric shock. And so how long does that electric shock have to go from their perspective? And it's about 124 miles in the like densest it could possibly be. That's crazy. That makes no sense <laughs> to me. That like you're sending a all the way to Pine Bluff and then that one's sending it along to the next thing and eventually getting to your fingers and saying, get off that hot thing. You know what I mean? That's like nuts. Like quick enough to where you don't actually like burn, burn yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And then by like as soon as it sends that message, just thinking of what curse word is going to be the best one. Like because it's already (laughs) sent the message and uh, it's got a little time to think. Yeah. You had to go to Fort Smith to get that curse word though. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, there's a lot of them there. So... (laughs) No, seriously, huh. twice right. the distance that you are from space is is the relative distance your cells have to communicate between. Crazy. Nuts. That is hard <laughs> to wrap my mind around, actually. Right? We yeah. are empty space. Like, eventually, you can run headfirst into a wall and all your cells will align and just split through because most of it's empty and most of the wall is empty. Like, th- like, we're nothing. Like, I don't know how we weigh as much as we do when there's just nothing here. There's just emptiness. Bon- are bones just that heavy? Well, no, it's, it's, it's just, there's those cells are that heavy is what it is. And so like, yeah, so bones are, uh, as, as dense as most any part of your body. And so, yeah, those are the, the more dense, those are the closer to 124 miles. When you're talking about the distance from like one lung cell to another, I mean, you might be talking from Manhattan to LA, you know what I mean? So, um, you're just empty. You're an empty person. Your bones are empty. You're like, <laughs> well, I like to think of myself as a little more than that LJ. <laughs> it's not just you. It's everyone, everyone in the world. <laughs> There's nothing there. I don't understand how we work. I like we're no different than like a city trying to decide like, oh, like we have the same sort of like consciousness together. Like it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. Like it's like if Chicago could feel sick, which I guess it does right now. Or if Chicago could feel sad (laughs) or Chicago could feel happy. That's kind of that's kind of what we are. You know what I mean? And that's that's batshit to me. Except no, that's way denser. That's way denser than we are. (laughs) We might have to go pineapple. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting there. That's all I got. That's all I got. What's crazy is LJ could do this. uh, You've already done this, and you could do it all over again in your head right now. Just start like going down crazy. And I got like eight more things if you want to go into. (laughs) Let's let's save it. We're going to need content for next week. So let's save it. No doubt. Oh, Lord. All right. That'll do it for another week of the JPP pod. Of course, you can catch us again here next week. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find our show notes and really pretty much everything that has to do with the JPP pod over at our website. That is jpppod.com. Guys, that'll do it for another week. I guess I will holler at you again next time. Peace. 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 124 miles, guys. Crazy. That's around that batch of stuff that's like the nearest cloud to you is about a quarter the distance that like the nearest person would be if it was the the only other atoms that you could touch i mean that's bad shit and that's not even in a person whatever okay uh my whole brain exploded when i was doing this math earlier this morning so there's plenty of room for it to do so right so well yeah
me a theory. There was, there's just all there is is space in there. <laughs> there's like space, and then like just a little bit of atoms, just a little bitty bit. So does Hannah tell you there's a lot of space between your ears? I mean, <laughs> and I tell her right back at you because that's <laughs> that's science, man. I'm telling you, one day you could run through a wall if you just got lucky enough that all the atoms were like not together. You know what I mean? Like, there's I actually believe in that. I believe you can kind of get some frequency and go through solid objects. I think there's. I think there's you could do that. If you're 99.999% empty space and the wall is 99.999% empty space, why can't I go through it? It almost feels like you have to be more likely to run through it than to get stopped by it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to try that. That shit. All right. Okay. I, well, I only do like once a month or so. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll try soft walls at first. Soft walls. <laughs>